Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to another installment in this incredible series about, uh, about whether or not God is fair. You know, we started out and we, and we call this uh, generational curses. Is God really fair? And the reason we started there is simply this. If generational curses are true, then it is impossible that God is a fair and just God. Now, I'm not trying to insult you if you believe in generational curses, because number one, a really bad translation um, in the Old Testament makes it seem possible. Uh, but, but the reality of it is even that verse in a bad translation, we, we misquote because that verse is where God starts talking about his justice in Exodus 34. And, uh, and he talks about his justice, talk about how he'll forgive anything and then it comes down to, and in the English translation, it says that, uh, that God will, uh, will visit the iniquity uh, uh, on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Well, actually, in the Hebrew, what that says is God will remember that this iniquity that's being visited on them is from their parents from, that taught them all this stuff because iniquity is not a curse. The word curse is not used anywhere in that concept. Uh, the word iniquity is. And iniquity is something that is taught. It is, it is about our beliefs. It's what we learn. It's what our parents, our teachers, our Bible teachers, our politicians, our school teachers, our Sunday school teachers, uh, the people that are influenced in our life, they influence to believe things. And iniquity is when we have a belief that rejects what God says. It rejects God's morals or God's values or God's standard. And, uh, and right now, the, you know, the world is in a situation where where People are suffering horribly because they are, they are being taught and have been taught for generations things that oppose God's word and actually oppose God's justice. And then when things go out of kelter, we blame God. And a lot of Christians come up with this whole concept of, of well, I've been taught about generational curses. You know, God told the children of Israel, basically, he said, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear this, this proverb that you have about the children suffering for the sins of the parents. That doesn't happen. He says, you know, he says the parents cannot eat the grapes and the children's teeth be set on his. Two different times God says, that is not true. That is not what I said. And, the, you know, the truth is, if we properly translate it, what God said back there in Ezekiel 34, the truth is that God is really saying and, and, and that he's going to be compassionate because he's going to remember you didn't get where you are by yourself. You know, um, socialism, humanism, all of these different, all these different life philosophies, all of which oppose the Bible, uh, you know, they bring this idea that says that, that man is not responsible for his action because he is the product of society. He's the product of his culture. He's the product of his family. And so with this, we have created a false justice. Now, justice is so incredibly important. And, and I want you to understand some things about justice. But let me tell you this. Psalm 25, verse 9 says, the, 
It says, the humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. Now, I want you to understand something. Uh, humility is a key to everything because the humble heart says, I am teachable. The humble heart says, God knows more than I do. The humble heart says, I am going to listen to God and, and I'm going to let God be my instructor. And, you know, verse 10 in, in Psalm 25 goes on to say, all the paths of the Lord are, are mercy and truth. Now, that's really interesting that he doesn't just say all the paths of God are mercy or all the paths of God are truth. He says they are mercy and truth because without mercy and truth, you can't really have justice. You know, I, I, I don't remember who it was that I, that I was reading that said this, but they said, you know, when people read where God passed before Moses and, and showed Moses or let Moses experience his goodness. And then he explained uh, and, and testified about uh, the, really the intellectual concepts of his goodness, that he was compassionate, that he was uh, kind, that he was slow to wrath, that he, you know, that he was always merciful and that he would forgive all of these different kinds of sins. But then at the bottom of that, he says, but there will be justice. And, uh, and he said, it's amazing. People read that and they either go to this extreme concept of God as this namby-pamby God where, where, where mercy triumphs everything. And because God's merciful, there is no responsibility, there is no accountability. He said, or then they take that last part about, about visiting iniquity on the third and fourth generations and make God nothing but a, but a hard, legalistic, uh, angry God. And the truth is, neither one of those extremes are really, really true because God is incredibly, incredibly merciful, but God is also incredibly uh, just, and that justice has an accountability side to it. So uh, if we don't, if we take truth apart from mercy, it's probably going to turn into legalism. If we take mercy apart from truth, then it's going to turn into liberalism and no accountability. So it's, so it's either extreme accountability with no mercy or all mercy with no accountability. Well, that's not the way life works. Now, I want you to understand something. Think, think about your concept of, of mercy. Think about, uh, about what are your, even your concept of justice. Uh, if, and God, God says in, in Ezekiel 34 there, basically he says, you know, I can't just let the sins go. He, and it's amazing. He says, now I'm going to forgive all, every kind of sin you can imagine. But he said, but I just can't let it go as if it didn't happen. Now, what, is that, what does that mean then? Then it means that there are two options if a person wants justice. Number one, of course, there is, spirit, there is the spiritual justice in that, no matter what we have done, we can experience God's forgiveness for it. But you see, m most of what God taught us about justice has to do with how we relate to each other. You know, with God, it's a simple thing. God, I realize, I realize what I've done is wicked. I realize it's evil. I realize it's, it's mean spirit or, or whatever it is. You know, I've lied, I've hurt people or whatever it is I've done. As far as you and God go, if you truly want to reconnect to God and the word repent, you know, we, religion has made repentance something weird and, uh, uh, you, know, you know, it's a ritualistic negative experience where you're supposed to weep and cry and mourn and have shame and, and feel horrible about yourself and, 
And that, that's not really what repentance is. Re repentance is when you come to that reality that, the, that the, the way you're handling something, the way you're treating somebody is not in love, is not the way God wants you to treat them. You know, as I say over and over again, all of the commandments were prescriptions for how to walk in love toward God, toward people, and toward yourself. And 80% of all of the commandments were pointed toward how to walk in love toward other people. So they were prescriptions for how to treat people. They were prescriptions for how to have loving relationships. And, and you know, God is really serious and concerned about how we treat each other because he wants this world and wanted this world from the very beginning to be a paradise. He wanted this world to be a place where it was safe for everybody. He wanted this world where there was no lack, there was no hurt. And so, and so uh, what we fail to understand, though, is it is not God who is making everything the way it is. In fact, it is we ourselves who are making, who is making the world an unjust place. Because we want to forgive, for example, uh, if you're looking at, you know, socialist concepts, humanist concepts, Freudian concepts, then basically we want to extend mercy toward uh, the perpetrator, toward the one who commits violence, toward the one who, who does people wrong. And, uh, and we want to commit, you know, kindness and mercy to them. And then we abandon the victim. Well, you know, the Bible tells us clearly that we should be defending the, the, the poor, the innocent, the fatherless, the widows. We, we should be defending them. We should make sure that they have justice. But instead, we are giving justice today in our world to the violent offender. Now, stop and think about it. You say, well, this, this, is, this is merciful. This, yeah, this person might have done something horrible, but I'm going to be merciful. So here's the question you've got to ask, though. Is that mercy that you're showing to the offender, is that mercy to the victim? You know, if somebody kills one of your family members and, uh, and some judge or, or some preacher or some politician says, well, you know what, really, that, that person is a product of their environment. They should not have to have any severe consequences. Now, let me ask you this. Is that mercy to the person who lost their family member? You know, when, when somebody embezzles money from you, you know, you know, I had somebody back a few years ago embezzle a, a pile of money from us. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, it ended up costing us, oh, I don't even remember now, I think it was $270,000. And I think we might've got $500 of that money back. Is, is that justice? Well, well, you know, but this, this person has problems, you know. This person is suffering. This person has been through this. And so, so you know, we, we want to be merciful to that person. But if you're, if, you're, if you're choosing who you're going to be merciful to, then it's not mercy anymore. It's, it's, it's favoritism or it's, or it's a political agenda or, so, you know, it's some kind, some kind of agenda. But it's not mercy unless you're merciful to everybody involved. You know, what I want you to understand about this, and we're talking about justice today because God is just, but here on planet Earth, the only way we can experience justice is if we rule and reign planet Earth in God's stead. You know, it's really interesting when you look at the Hebrew language where it says God uh, created us in His likeness and image and gave us dominion. And dominion is, is a rule, it's authority, it's, and we are the ones who have the right to rule, to rule planet Earth. Now, 
I'm not going to break down all of the letters in those words, but in the Hebrew language, you know, you, you look at the, the words definition in general, but then you look at the meanings of each of the letters to get a deeper insight into those words. And when you look at those words, every one of those words has a concept that if we want to rule planet Earth the way God led us to, taught us to, told us to, instructed us to, then number one, we should always be humble and we should always be open to God. And one of the letters and one of the words is, is, is the Lamed. It's the picture of a person with outstretched arms, arms wanting to re hear from God and hear, hear from God in their heart. And there's also another letter that's used in, I think, every, every, all three of those words. It's called the Dalit. And the Dalit represents a portal or a gateway into another, into another realm. And in that other realm, you have the hay, which is a Hebrew letter, which represents the, not only the presence of God and the breath of God, but it also, enters, it also represents entering into the narrow gate, choosing this way of justice, choosing this way of truth, choosing what God says, taking the narrow way instead of taking the way uh, to destruction. Now, what we have chosen, have we chosen the way to destruction? Because, you know, we're not ruling planet Earth. And see, when you think about ruling planet Earth, I, I mean, there's a whole lot of concepts to this. But one of the primary ways we are supposed to rule planet Earth is we are supposed to ensure justice for all people. We're supposed to walk in love toward all people and ensure that there's always going to be justice for the person that's accused, but there's also always going to be justice for the person who has, who has been wronged. But one of, the, one of the interesting things, when you start looking at these letters of God creating us in His likeness, in His image, and then giving us dominion, one of the, one of the, and, the, and, and the final word is the letter resh, which is the word repentance, which, which what this is saying, what these letters are saying to us, what these Hebrew words are applying, is that God wants us to rule, but He always, always wants us to rule with our heart open to Him to rule in His behalf, and represent Him, represent His love, represent His justice, represent His fairness in planet Earth. And, and that resh, that represents repentance, is always turning to God. So we can turn to God and we can use His Word in every situation. And the truth is we can have true justice and all of this corruption that's in the world is going to come to an end. Now, it's amazing how much God gets blamed for all of this stuff that's going on in the world. And it's not God that's, that's, that has made the world as corrupt and as messed up as it is. It's man who has departed from God's definition of justice. You know, uh, we were given authority on planet Earth, and basically this, this means that God, nor the devil, nor, nor any other entity, can do anything in planet Earth apart from it happening through a person, through a human being. And if God violates that, then he becomes a liar. Uh, so, so, so God can only do in planet Earth that which man trusts him and, and, and which man uses his authority to bring to pass. So it's really interesting. In Psalm 82, and this is talking about human beings. We think this is, I don't know what people think this is talking about, but this is talking about human beings who are put here on planet Earth, 
And, and, and in fact, Jesus quoted this scripture and the, and the religious people wanted to kill him. He says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Now, I want to tell you something. All that's wrong in the world today is the wicked are shown partiality and primarily they're shown partiality for two reasons. Number one is money and number two is power. You know, I was, I was, I was having a discussion with someone just, just today and we were talking about some health issues and, and, and you know, it's amazing that, that the, you know, the drug companies can put drugs on the market that, you know, the, 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 they're supposed to solve some minor problem, but the side effects, you know, could be, could be liver disease, lung disease, cancer, uh, stroke, heart attack, or death. And for some reason, we've reached a place to where we say, oh, well, that's, that's all right. That, oh, that, that, that's fine. That's safe to put that on the market. You know, only a certain percentage of people died when we tested that, so, so, so that's safe. No, no, that's, that's not safe. You know, I, I think it was uh, in our city, they did a study one time that we're going to put in a new, uh, a, a new dump to burn garbage. And they started looking at this and they said, okay, then there's going to be all this pollution that's going to come off of it. And, you know, which way do the winds blow across the city? Where does it go? And so they basically did a calculation and said, well, if we, if we do this and there's going to be a certain percentage of the people that are in the, you know, that are breathing this toxic air that are going to have cancer. And so, you know, somebody sitting down here in City Hall said, well, you know, that's an acceptable number. An acceptable number of people getting cancer. Well, so who is it acceptable to? Is that mercy? Is that wisdom? Is that kindness? No, absolutely not. But people give in to these things because of money. If you've ever heard of the Ford Pinto, you, you can think back to the 70s. A Ford Pinto was a little automobile that a certain percentage of the time, if it was struck in the back end, the gas tank would explode because, because of the way the gas tank was configured. And that meant that a certain number of those people were going to be in those explosions. They were going to be maimed, burned nearly to death or, or die. And, you know, the, the automobile company, according to some research, had knowledge of that. They knew, well, they figured this out. They figured this was a design flaw. And so the way they handled it was they, uh, they calculated how many accidents there would probably be, a probability of accidents, how many people in those accidents would, would, uh, would, would die how many lawsuits they would win and how many, or how many lawsuits would, would they face and how many would they lose. And they said, this is an acceptable loss. No, that's not an acceptable loss for the people who lose a father, a child, a mother, a brother, or a sister burned alive in an automobile accident. Well, I got news for you. There is no acceptable loss when, when a violent person murders somebody and, and stop and think about it. You take away the income from a family because the father gets murdered and those kids grow up in poverty the rest of their life maybe. It changes the whole course of their life besides the heartbreak, besides all these things. So, so you know, you ask yourself this question, why is it that the FDA puts drugs out that kill more people every year than all of the wars that, we're, that we've been in combined. Why is, it that, why is it all of these things can happen? Why is it that so many uh, corrupt laws are passed? Why is it that people can get by with something? You know, uh, 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 I can just go down the list. Well, here's, here's the thing. Number one, corrupt laws get passed because corrupt people pass them, and corrupt people pass them because it is a pathway to either money or power. But the sad thing is, uh, we, 
And I say we, believers, look at this, and, and it's like this is just some kind of spiritual mystery that we can't figure out. And here's the amazing thing. Then Christians will go out and vote for and support politicians that pass those kinds of laws because they think that they're, that they're being merciful. They think they're being kind. They think they're bringing love to the world by passing these types of laws. Well, you know, in, in, in Psalm 82, he says, Defend the poor and the fathers. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. And then verse 5 says, They don't know. They don't understand. They walk about in darkness. And all of the foundations of the earth are unstable. Now, I want you to understand something. All life factors come down to really godliness or, or wickedness. They, they come down to good or evil. All life factors do. And only God himself has the right, the wisdom, the knowledge, the truth to define good and evil. Therefore, if we're not looking to him and his word to define good and evil, then we are doing exactly what Adam did. We're saying, I'm going to be a God unto myself. I'm going to recreate the world in my own likeness. I'm going to use my likeness and image. I'm going to use my glory and honor. I'm going to use my dignity and worth here to recreate a world independent of God. And I want you to understand that is what's happening in the world today. And the world was framed and undergird it by righteousness. Every path of God, every way of God, everything that God has ever done has been done in righteousness, which means it, is in, it was done in harmony with His character and nature. And His character and nature is basically love. I mean, God is, God is love. And anything that doesn't seem like love to you that you read anywhere in the Bible is because you don't understand what's happening. Either you either got a bad translation or you don't understand what's happening or you're just believing what religion has told you, you all of your life. Now, stop and think about it. When God brought all the energies together to form this, the, the, the material world, the physical world, the universe and the universes, well, He brought all that together around a particular logic, and everything in the world, everything in this universe, everything in all of existence was designed to be in harmony with His will for mankind. Now, I'm going to tell you what, man, the world, the pagan world out there, the educational system, they hate, they hate the idea that there's anything unique about planet Earth. Uh, as a matter of fact, they hate that, you know, the, the anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-human uh, anti-world people out there, you know, you know, they think that, that animals should have more rights than we have. They think that, uh, uh, you know, the, the planet has more rights than we do. I don't think we should destroy our planet. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But it's just amazing at the people that have this philosophy that, that there's nothing unique about mankind. Therefore, uh, uh, therefore the earth should... Uh, exists even when we don't. The animals should exist even when we don't. So, so it's not just that they don't believe that we're created in the likeness image of God. They, they, they think we're created as less than the animals. Well, and I want you to understand something. Everything that was created was created to be in harmony with God's will, with God's intention for man to be able to have a great life on planet Earth. And, you know, I don't want to jump too far off on this because I don't have much time. You know, I was thinking about it. I'm I, can't, I'm, I can't find this. I, I think I lost it on when I updated my computer one time. But, you know, uh, uh, 
I had this list of cartoons, and I lived through most of these. You know, back when I was a kid in the 50s, the, 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 the left told us that we were going to die from nuclear, where the world was going to come to an end through nuclear war. It was, it was a done deal. It was an absolute thing was going to happen. Well, now, back in those days, I hadn't read the Bible, so I didn't know that. And so that was frightening when you were a kid. You know, you know I was in that generation where we'd go to school, they'd teach you how to roll and tuck and get under your desk for a nuclear bomb. You know, I look back at that now and I think, how stupid uh, were we that, uh, uh, that we thought that uh, we could uh, escape thermal nuclear energy by <laughs> getting under our desk and rolling and tucking. I mean, it's the stupidest thing in the world. So, you know, that was in the 50s, and I don't even remember, I don't remember the next big thing that, that was brought out in the, in the 60s, but then uh, late 60s, early 70s, uh, man, I can remember the big fear was there was going to be an, an ice age. You know, we were entering back into the ice age, and, and all the things were said then that's being said now about global warming. And, and, and you know, I, I never figured out how global warming, ice age, how us paying more taxes is like, okay, what are you going to do with these tax dollars to change this if this is going to happen? And then, of course, there's always the, 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 the myth that the population is too big. We need to start killing more people. We need to have more abortions. We need to have more birth control, um, you know, because too much of a population. And then there's the, there's the myth that there, there's just absolutely not enough food to, you know, to feed the whole world. And so, you know, you know, we've gone through all of those from back in the 50s. And so then we went, we went into global warming. And then, and then every one of these myths we find out are scientifically incorrect. Why would people want that? Why would people want us to have that kind of fear? Why would people want us to, to think any day the world is going to come to an end? Because I'm telling you, the wicked use it to gain power, and they use it as a way to get your finances. It's just that simple. And what's, what, what is happening into the world, stop and think. When, when, when Adam became sin, see, we believe that God cursed the earth and God caused it to start growing thorns and thistles. No, that's not what happened. Adam and Eve, they had authority over planet earth. The Bible doesn't say God cursed the earth. The Bible says that God said to Adam, because of you, the earth is cursed and now it's going to bring forth thorns and thistles. So Adam and Eve, had, they had authority over planet earth and because of where they went into their heart and into their beliefs and, and into how, how they saw themselves and how they saw God, how they saw planet earth, suddenly the earth itself changed and suddenly thorns and thistles began to grow. Well, let me tell you something. Now all of this conniving, all of this lying, all of this manipulating, all of this seeking to destroy mankind, all of this wickedness, all of this lack of justice, according to the Word of God says, the foundations of the earth are becoming unstable. In other words, all of the instability that's happening in the world today, not just on the relational level, not just in the civil justice area, but I mean literally how the earth and the environment itself is, is spinning out of control is because to the degree that man abandons justice based on righteousness, mercy and truth, to that degree, the very pillars of the foundation of the earth are absolutely being shaken. But here's the great thing. 
Jesus, it's not going to end the way any of these people say it's going to end because we've read the end of the book. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to stop that. And he's going to show us for a thousand years how the earth could have been if we had, if we had ruled and reigned in justice the way he taught us to. Listen, folks, there is only one justice, and it's the justice you're going to have from God. You're never really going to get justice in the world. You're never going to get justice from the government. You're never going to get justice anywhere else. And so, so why go put yourself through all that torment? Turn your heart to God and you rule your life based on the justice of God's Word, of walking in love and applying truth mercifully and in love. Listen, I, I'll be back to talk to you about this next week. I hope you're getting where I'm going from this. But God is just and the corruptions in the world right now is the injustice of man. It's not the injustice of God. So be sure to like this, share this with your friends. I'll be talking to you more about it soon. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.